When I was a kid, I wanted to be a ballerina when I grew up. Now I am a food and beverage publicist. Hi, I'm Ben Hanani. Welcome to How Do You Do, a podcast featuring creative guests sharing the nuances of their process. Just a quick reminder to subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts is the most helpful thing you can do for the podcast. Hey, everyone. It's Ben. Before we dive into this fun conversation about restaurant and hospitality PR with Shannon Tooby, I want to quickly preface by sharing that we recorded this conversation before we all went into quarantine. Given how especially challenging the last couple months have been for the restaurant industry, I really wasn't sure when to release this episode because the way we engage with restaurants for the immediate future might be different than what we're accustomed to. After a little thought, now seemed like the right time for two reasons. First off, I think the spirit of this episode, where Shannon is talking about creative ways that restaurants can attract customers, is as relevant now as ever. Here in LA, for example, during the quarantine, wine bars have done a really impressive job of adapting to the circumstances by retailing bottles and then hosting virtual tastings. And secondly, Hopefully this episode serves as a nice reminder of everything we love about dining and compels you to support local restaurants if you're able to. And that's my little spiel for today. Now let's hear from Shannon. Today I'm joined by Shannon Tooby, a senior account executive at JS2 PR, a public relations firm in Los Angeles specializing in the food, beverage, and hospitality industries. At JS2, Shannon is responsible for developing and executing media strategies for her clients, which means she does everything from researching the latest trends strengthening her relationships with journalists, and landing key placements in important media outlets. Shannon's current clients include the original Farmer's Market at the Grove, Granville, the Los Angeles Times' The Taste Food and Drink Festival, and many more. Without further ado, welcome to the pod, Shannon. Thank you. So we always (laughs) like to begin with a round of current curiosities. So anything that's sparked your curiosity recently, for me it's been cooking, I recently tried making tachin, which is a Persian dish. Mm. It's the crispy rice dish. The which best. The best. <laughs> and it actually turned out okay. I made it with my girlfriend and her dad, who's a big cook. And I just realized, like, I appreciate and enjoy food I make so much more than food I just, like, bought at a restaurant or took to go real quick. And there was a study a while back I remember reading that was, like, furniture that you make you value more than furniture you just bought at a store. Like if you built, yeah, if you built a desk and somebody asked you to value it, you would give a higher valuation than if you just saw that desk at a store and somebody asked you how much uh, you think it should cost. Yeah. So I don't know. I just thought it was cool. And like, I, I get lunch at work, but I feel like dinner, I can make a concerted effort, even if it's just on Sundays to put something together. Yeah. Love it. That's my current curiosity. Love it. Yeah. What about you? Um, Cool. So something that I've been thinking about recently, especially just like always keeping up with like food news and all these things that are going on is like how how much millennials value experiences over just an item, for example, like, you know, we're not just seeking out to find a bar going home to play board games. We're going to um, escape rooms in L.A. and like looking up bar crawls that we can do and doing these like crazy out in the field dinners that are like 
a hundred plus per ticket. Um, and you know, if somebody asked me like what I want to spend my money on, it's like an expensive omakase with wine pairings. And it's really interesting how, you know, a lot of people are catching on like Airbnb has these Airbnb experiences now where you could like go to Italy and cook with David Chang. Um, so I think it's cool how our generation is changing and, um, we want to experience more. It's about the adventure. It's not just, you know, having an item. Um, so just, that's my curious moment right now. Cooking with David Chang in Italy sounds amazing. I know, right? Oh my goodness. That's on Airbnb experiences. Yeah. Whoa. You could do like a yoga class or have somebody come to your house and play live music or do like yeah. an interactive cooking experience. It's just like insane. But that's a good lead into what you're doing now in the food and beverage PR space. You have all these different avenues now to to market a restaurant. Mm-hmm. So how do you how do you go about figuring out what's the right strategy for your restaurant? So it kind of depends. A lot of restaurants come to us when they're first opening um, and we're launching them essentially. So we're starting from the ground up. And then other restaurants could be open for, you know, a few years. Even we just started working with a restaurant in Marina Del Rey that's 27 years old. Every day something new and exciting is popping up in L.A. That's everybody is, you know, hyping up, buzzing about. Um, And it's really hard to stand out and you know keep on top of the eater list you know and so it's really looking at what that client's strength is so for example this marina del rey restaurant you know their harbor side it's a destination it's a special occasion experience that you go to um for another client you know that's ice cream it's like you know the fun flavors and promoting you know their cool partnerships with el silencio mezcal and this like cool mid midnight mezcal flavor that they made together and you know the events tied to it um so it kind of just depends you know what that client's needs are what they want to focus on whether that's an opening whether that's you know a new menu a new chef um a new cocktail program um but yeah let's talk about maybe one that you've already worked with and seen some results with so can you think of somebody who you helped with from opening who's now come a little further down the line yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we started with, we launched, helped launch Salt and Straw as well as Gracias Madre, which was really cool. Um, they are, you know, such brand names now. And to watch that grow from just, you know, an announcement of this shop opening in West Hollywood, expanding to Arts District. Right. Um to, you know, Gracias Madre, like killing the beverage program and having like the coolest innovative, like rotating cocktails um, and still being vegan, but making amazing food um, and becoming just like a staple in L.A. um, was really cool to see because, you know, you don't you're not fortunate enough to always work with, you know, the best, the, the coolest, the hottest of the batch. But you know, our job is to make them stand out and, you know, be special and find their place in the food conversation that's happening um, out there. So you were with both of them from their opening onward. Yeah. So how do you help a restaurant where they're new and clients or sorry, I should say customers aren't quite familiar with their dining options and it's a completely new experience? How do you take this new concept 
and engage people, especially in a city like L.A. where there are so many options. Yeah. So there are a couple like main food portals for news that people go to. That's the Eater L.A., Thrillist, Time Out. Um, and those are our targets. Those are like butts and seats kinds of placements, we call them. So, you know, we get somebody on the coolest events to do an LA roundup on Eater LA, and we will hear from the client that like they were super packed for their wine dinner that night, um, which is really cool. And then um, also social media, engaging with influencers and having them come in and post about it to their followers so people see it on their Instagram. It's crazy how influencers have grown to be just as important as like an online placement at this point um, with how much, you know, they're they're effective now. Totally. So how do you get influencers or the journalists to trust you? Is it is it based off the experience of your firm? And the track record JS2 PR has, or what are some of the strategies? Because I'm sure these, you know, the people you're reaching out to at Eater LA are getting hit up by so many different places. Right. So it's like a quick pitch over to them about, you know, whether it's a new menu or a new cocktail um, at the bar or a new chef. And we, you know, draft up a media alert or press release and that goes their way. And also a lot of times we'll invite writers to come into the restaurant and dine um, and experience it. Um, And then we work with them on a story that, you know, works in the pipeline of, you know, what they're working on for their publication. Um, But a lot of it is inviting them into dine. It's keeping them up to date on the latest news, whether that's an event or, um, you know, seasonal menu items, all that good stuff. Um, And just keeping that restaurant top of mind. And honestly, like nobody ever responds to emails anymore. These, These reporters get hit up so much. Like, if I get a thank you, I am like, praise be. It's amazing. But yeah. So what kind of information is it important and that you must absolutely include when you're doing these media alerts or reaching out to people? What are what are the essentials? Just being super concise. Keep it short. These people have no time. They're mm-hmm. like I always try and do like a super engaging subject line so I can at least like get them to open it. Yeah. Like the coolest thing you need to be doing in LA this weekend. Um, or like our go-to Dine LA like favorites. Um, and then just being soup, like, this is it. Like, this is what I'm pitching you. You know, this is a wine dinner here this time to this time. Like would love if you could, you know, share with your readers kind of thing. Um, but really just like the main who, what, where, um, and see, you know, if it's a fit for what they're working on. I think a lot of journalists, um, really appreciate when, it's a tar- it's targeted towards them and they and you know you know what their beat is and that it's a fit for the type of things that they write about um so just making that personal connection because they get so many emails from JS2PR alone a day um being able to like establish that relationship really happens with targeted pitches and seeing these people in person at like events and media dinners and stuff so are you researching the let's say let's just I'm Pitching a total, complete random name, Farley Elliott at Eater LA. He's a, he's a big one. <laughs> he's if a big any, one. If anybody follows Eater LA, he's a big name, for example. So, for example, if you're reaching out to Farley, when you, I mean, you you probably have some experience working with him at this point, but when you were newer to the firm and newer to the business and sending media alerts, what kind of things were you researching before you'd reach out to him? 
Um, so just like I would look at, you know, what he writes about on Eater, you know, does he write like the essential restaurants in L.A. list? Does he, you know, there's somebody that every week updates the coolest events in L.A. roundup. Um, and then, you know, there are a few that do, you know, just the straight up hot list. And then there are people that will like Farley does a lot of the Eater LA first look. So if I have a client and I want to set up an exclusive with them because Eater always wants like the first dibs on the news. They're all about it. Uh, Like if there's a license out there, Farley knows about it even before like we go to him. So I would just literally reach out to him and be like, you know, I have a restaurant opening up, um, like want to work with you on it. Um, and see where it goes from there. Um, he's, he, yeah, just look at what, you know, they're writing about and what they cover on, at, at the publication and, you know, pitch them accordingly. That's interesting. I had no idea that it makes sense that they have beats. Yeah. Cause I, I thought about it. Like I knew in, for example, sports reporters, there's like the Lakers beat writer. Right. That person is responsible for, you know, following the Lakers at practices and games and yeah. after the game. And it's interesting that yeah, it makes sense that Eater LA would have it, Thrillist would have it. So totally. you figure out, based on what your restaurant needs, wh- who, which beat writer is the right fit. Exactly. Got it. And yeah. then is it similar kind of with influencers where you look at kind of their brand and you see where they go and you see, yeah. is this a comparable place? Yeah, because there are like foodie influencers, obviously. And then there are like fashion and lifestyle and like mommy bloggers. You know, there's so many realms that you can dip into. Um, and you know, a lot of our restaurant clients, they don't want just like a straight up fashion influencer coming into their restaurant. What does that do for them? You know, and they rarely will post because a post in a restaurant or a picture of food doesn't go with their feed. So really, you know, based on what they want to see, you know, targeting those kinds of influencers, but a lot of it is like foodie, um, kind of going into lifestyle, wellness, depending on the client, And like mommy bloggers for any like family restaurants, for example, like we work with the Milky Way. It's a kosher dairy restaurant on Pico Robertson. So that would be like a target demographic for them. And as well as like kosher influencers. Yeah, that's crazy (laughs) how niche influencers have gotten. Right. Kosher influencers. Yeah. (laughs) It's awesome. Like we're working with somebody named Jew Hungry right now. Oh, I love that. I know. It's good. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) That is amazing. Yeah. Shout out to Jew Hunger. <laughs> <laughs> so what what do you think are the traits of a successful opening? Like when you're doing the recap, when you're looking back at your campaign to see if it succeeded, mm-hmm. how do you know, like what are the traits of a successful opening? So I would say the opening coverage is huge. Um, and a lot of those targets, you know, are the big ones that I mentioned before. Um, Eater LA, Time Out, Los Angeles Times is a big one. LA Daily News. Um, LA Mag, um, those really measure, you know, the opening coverage and how effective it is. Um, and obviously, you know, the clients want those name brand publications. Um, but, you know, the blogs are important, too, because people follow those. And so really, we go wide with our outreach. So the coverage is one layer. And then we also recommend Um, like opening events, whether that's a media and influencer event that's more intimate um, or friends and family or like a community event to really, you know, invite the community in to experience your restaurant and have like a first peek before the public does and, you know, make them feel special, make them want to come back. And if we do have a media and influencer event, it's 
it's so hard to get people to commit or drive across LA at a specific time of day, any day. So in general, it's really hard to get people to come out. But if we have a great turnout, we're like ecstatic. We're like, yeah. And then people attending our event also results in, you know, a ton of social media coverage on site and after. And also we can work with those reporters that attend for stories. And we also get that FaceTime with them. So, you know, I can email Carol, you know, at West Hollywood Lifestyle Magazine and be like, hey, um, you remember I saw you at the event? Like, let's you know, what's the story? What's the timing of your piece? You know, kind of jump into it. And do you offer maybe to link them up with the owner of the restaurant? or Always. Yeah. yeah. I mean, everyone in restaurants is down to be interviewed. You know, they want to talk about what they're doing. Um, And that's why I love it so much. Everyone's super passionate. You know, it's such a hard industry and you have to love it and, you know, be committed to like really do it it's wild out there. Like it's so competitive. So yeah, it's just so hard to keep up with and you really have to like be willing to, you know, do it if you're going to go into it. How did you decide taking a step back out of all the different aspects of PR that you want to go this route? Cause as you're saying, mm-hmm. it's pretty hard. And I imagine you got to give up some of your nights and weekends cause that's when people are going to these events, right. these openings. Yeah. So how did you decide out of all the PR opportunities, this was the lane you wanted to explore? So I am such a foodie and I think it also has a lot to do with like my brother worked in restaurants out of college um, and, and, you know, that kind of like got me on that path of like loving to just like, I, you know, food is something universal everyone can bond over and that's what I love it. And it brings me so much happiness when I have something so tasty. Um, Right before my senior year of college, I Um, had an internship at SBE and I was kind of like their restaurant marketing intern. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. Like I get to do, you know, what I'm studying to do PR and marketing and I get to like marry it with my hobby of like being a foodie and loving to explore restaurants, you know, at the end of the day, like even if I'm working late, I'm emailing somebody about happy hour, about some cool freaking ice cream flavors that are launching at Humphrey Slocum. Um, it's it's really fun to kind of, you know, find two things that you love. And there's so much to do with PR and so many, like, f- you know, different industries you can go into. And I tried fashion and that was like a disaster. Um, and food, just like I totally just like dove right in seamlessly. Like it was I loved it. Did you feel like what you studied in school in terms of PR helped you or was it a lot of learning on the spot? Once you got the job. It's so hands-on. Like, I don't even know what they taught me in college. (laughs) Nothing helped. Um, I think it's, yeah, like, you know, I had like a fake Twitter and like I would tweet as like a professional in college and, and like we wrote like, you know, random press releases and it's just so not like that anymore. And, and the media landscape is also so much smaller in LA, especially food media. And people don't want to read like paragraphs on paragraphs anymore. It's just, you know, they they just want the info. They want right. Lists. Yeah. 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 Just bullet it out for yeah. me, bold it, underline it. <laughs> so it's crazy the list that infatuation LA comes up with. Yeah. But they they I think do a really smart 
job of taking data from text recs. Yes. And figuring out, okay, these are the kinds of places people are asking us for. Yeah. Let's make a list around that. Yeah. It's yeah. so good. Yeah. yeah. So infatuation is interesting because they don't work with publicists. Yeah. So we still like send them news and I'll be like, hey, Brett, <laughs> just wanted to share this as an FYI. Um, but they just, you know, do their own thing. And a lot of our clients don't like them because obviously you can't control what they write yeah. and they're super candid and can be snarky at times. Yeah. But it's real. And I think, you know, when I'm looking for a place to go eat, yes, I want to like see the list about like where to go with like my friend that I don't really want to eat with that I haven't seen in forever. You know, like I need that random list. Um and even the places that, like, they don't review so highly, they'll still put them on the list yeah. and, you know, recommend it as a spot because it's in that neighborhood or whatever it is. So I appreciate what they're doing. <laughs> Have you found in the same way that they're utilizing data in PR, specifically for restaurants, is there any metric or data that you guys are looking at as you're trying to put together a campaign or help your clients? Yeah, we. I think we look a lot at, like, their who they're competitors are and like who's writing about those competitors and um kind of go off of that like for example we work with ocean prime and like looking at like what's cool about steakhouses today and what do people care about um how do we make ocean prime like this national chain based out of ohio like hot again in beverly hills in beverly hills yeah. it's tough so what, what did you find what, what what are people attracted to about steakhouses today? So it's the luxe experience. You know, they want um, they want sh champagne drinks, berries and bubbles that like has like like flames coming out of it. And, um, you know, amazing happy hours on the patio with blankets and just like that luxe experience. Um, that's like, that's Ocean Prime, you know, it's the bar, it's the drinks, it's the extravagant dishes. Yeah. Um, it's the celeb sightings, yeah. you know, that's also like big. If we have like a restaurant, maybe it's not so good, but they, a lot of celebrities go. That's also a hook because people are like, oh damn, Kylie Jenner was at Ocean Prime last week. I gotta go. She ordered the truffle Mac. Damn. You know? So <laughs> that is fascinating. I used to work across the street from Ocean <laughs> So special. We, you've already talked quite a bit about how important experiences are and how mm -hmm. people are looking for that when they're dining. How much input do you have on the PR side of nudging the restaurants to kind of incorporate experiences or nudging them in a creative direction with their culinary experience? Yeah, so our clients definitely come to us for like, ideas on activations or fun things that they could do in the restaurant to build buzz. Um, we are always here to brainstorm. It's really just dependent on like the bandwidth of the restaurant. You know, for example, you know, if we were telling a restaurant that has like five locations to do, you know, this like extravagant, you know, promotion or like party, it's super hard to pull off for them across five stores. Versus, you know, a smaller spot in Los Feliz that we work with that has like a super cool bar, um, like they can have 
a full, you know, home alone screening with like curated cocktails based on like specific scenes of the movie that they like pass out dirt. It's like tailored to that time when people are watching the movie screening in the patio and like cool things like that. And like we always try and encourage. It's just like doesn't always happen operationally because it's so hard for them to just like day to day. And they're so busy that. They can't always do it. Yeah. Yeah. And most of your clients are based in L.A., right? Yeah. A lot of them are based in L.A. Most. Um, we have a few in like Vegas, Sacramento, San Diego, um, and Arizona. So how how is your approach different with clients that are based in L.A. and you're also based in L.A. Mm-hmm. versus clients who are based in a different city? How do you make sure you're still doing a good job for them even though you're not on the ground in the same city? So it's just about finding those writers again. So like who's writing about food in Phoenix and, you know, how can we get, you know, this restaurant on their radar and, you know, helping with invite outreach if they're having like a pre-opening event and inviting all those media, even if we're not on the ground, we can still try and create that relationship over email. It's obviously harder. Actually, people in like other markets, you know, tend to, you know, L.A. is so such a hot dining scene like Phoenix and like maybe like random places in Arizona or Sacramento. Um, the media market is a little nicer yeah. and they're more down for like news and to like work with you on a story. Yeah. And be treated to a free happy hour. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. So before you reach out to these writers as a team, you're coming up with a strategy, some kind of strategy, right? So yes. What does that What does that look like? Those uh, the the process of coming up with the strategy. What does that look like for you and your coworkers? So it's just looking up what's in the pipeline for this restaurant. So if we're launching them, um, you know what is you know it's drafting an announcement about their opening, or if they just launch a new menu and a chef. It's okay that somebody's handling that pitch, which is going to go out to local and national media. Oh, do they have a wine dinner in a month? Oh, are they participating in Winter Dine LA? These are all different like verticals we can explore. And then there are also just like ongoing angles, just like looking at their menu and seeing what's interesting. Um, Like one of our clients um, did a really cool cocktail series all around like fats and they had like avocado um and chicken fat cocktails like random things and did you try any i didn't oh, man. i didn't I, it was a limited time okay. <laughs> <laughs> i didn't make it in um so you know those are those are pitches that are ongoing for us locally and nationally and seeing you know if we can get a national writer from new york mag or new york times to answer us about this cool cocktail at the speakeasy in downtown la um so just looking at what's in the pipeline for that client and, you know, if that's a local pitch, if that's national, um, maybe it's an evergreen pitch. Um, you know, there's that ongoing messaging of like the brand um, that we're always working and keeping those conversations going. Does that answer your question? Yeah, totally. <laughs> so if they're in a different city, your approach is still fairly similar. And do you ever feel a need to go out or you you find you're able to accomplish all these goals from L.A.? Um, a lot of the like we always recommend like we'd love to be on the ground to yeah. get that FaceTime with media. It's not always, you know, feasible. Like it's already hard for a restaurant to manage. And I think 
um, you know, PR and marketing is always an extra expense. Um, so it doesn't always like we're not always able to go out there. Um, so we'll do our best from the ground. But if we're able to have somebody there, it's it's always better. And, you know, it's it's we get that important FaceTime. How do those restaurants find out about JS2PR if they're not based in L.A.? Um, I think they honestly just look up like food and beverage PR agencies Um, and also like a lot of referrals like, you know, people at JS2 have gone on to maybe do consulting or go on to create their own PR agencies Um, and somebody random from the past will like come back and would have referred us. So somebody that used to work at JS2, for example, now does now is a PR representative for a Sonoma based goat cheese brand called Laura Chanel. And she connected with my colleague who also works on Humphrey Slocum, this ice cream brand. And also with Domain Carneros, which is a champagne sparkling wine brand. And we all collabed on a wine and cheese flavor. Wow. It was insane. And it was all this like woman, Deborah, who used to work at JS2. You have this alumni network. I know, right? That is so cool. Yeah. Wow. So... What does the dream client look like for you guys? What's what's the most fun type of client to work with? Um, just somebody doing something new in LA and cool and, you know, not looking at like a super boring menu. And, you know, there are the John and Vinny's in the world and the Bavel and Bestia's that everything they touch is gold, right? They're going to always be on every list. Um but being able to like have that client where you're like, damn, there's there's actually something here. They're doing like fermented something and like this really cool whatever. Um, or they have like a really cool cocktail program or, you know, whatever it is. Um, just something like with meat on it that we can that we think, you know, people will bite their teeth into and want to write about. That's like a dream. You know, it's really the it's harder when it's not so much on it like pitching a coffee shop that's hard you know there are only so many like avenues for like coffee coverage you know so um just somebody that's doing something cool and new fair enough yeah let's let's pretend though they're not someone who's new in the game like like you mentioned, you work with some historical establishments too. Mm-hmm. So a historical establishment or an existing one might come to you and say, I, we've talked about how, for example, a place might be struggling with dinner service. They might, they might be doing okay with lunch service. So how do you help someone who's established but coming to you with a specific goal? So we would recommend, like I would, we would recommend like doing some sort of promotion or something. So for example, we had a restaurant that, their Sunday nights were super slow and they wanted to bring in um, more families. So we recommended they do a spaghetti Sunday and it's like a family style. They get to choose from a couple different spaghettis for two and it includes a wine carafe um, and then kids eat free. So where is this place? <laughs> it's in Beverly Hills. Oh, it's wow. Co- yeah. It's called Nerano. Oh, yeah. 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 I know um, it's near Beverly High. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I was like having flashbacks when I was working with them like too close to Beverly. Um, so, so yeah. And I was like, okay, this is great. This, 
and it was like an ongoing promotion that they made and then they became like this go-to spot on Sunday nights and like for example Chaconis and their Monday night key thing and they're like the hottest restaurant to be at on a Monday night and yeah. that is a dream for any restaurant every no one wants to go out on a Monday it's yeah. it's a dead night um so helping them own a particular like night of the week or something like that that can draw attention to what they're doing for dinner and then hopefully translate to people coming more nights that week or maybe you know it's live music um in the evenings or you know a, re a reverse happy hour or an extended happy hour you know like discounts and free works as much as our clients don't like to hear it but it does and it gets people in the door and hopefully it'll get people back so if we stay with the example of Nerano, you as a team came up with that idea of the wine promotion and the pasta promotion. How did you go about pitching it to Nerano? Um, so we were like, you should do a spaghetti Sunday," <laughs> And we were talking it through. Um, they're super Italian. So it was interesting to like talk it through with them. But they were like, okay, we're going to come up with some like simple set you know sauces like bolognese just marinara um maybe a lemon i think they did a lemon pasta um and then a pesto and then they love the kids eat free um and then they we like put pestered them to create a menu um and then they shared that menu with us and then we were like put this on your website and then we blasted it out can you talk about how important menu design is oh my god it's so important we had a client that was opening and their website, everything was spelled wrong. Like you couldn't like even like open the menu, like brunch, the brunch menu said branch. <laughs> and it was just like the worst thing to look at. And, you know, I also went to a restaurant in Los Feliz and the whole menu is handwritten, including the wine list. And I kind of thought it was cool. I was I like, all right, I, I respect agree. this yeah. person that wrote this. There were no crossouts or but anything, then, no strike throughs. But they, then it's, <laughs> I think they I were. I would mess that up. I know, right? I would totally I mess know. That up. Um, but I was kind of like, yo, just, just, just create a nice printout, man. Yeah. This is all time. This is, yeah. you know, this is a nice place. <laughs> so yeah, it's super important. Yeah. Agreed. I'm there with you. With a promotion like. We can stick with the Nerano example. How do you know whether it's succeeded, whether it hasn't succeeded, or whether it needs more time? So just asking the client, how's it going? Um, do you think it's working? It takes time for these things to catch on. You know, if you're going to like own something like a Sunday night, um, you need to, you know, let it catch on and let people read about it. And so our way of measuring is really through coverage. You know, how many eyes got on it? How many placements did we get? Um, how many social media folks did we invite in or media to experience Spaghetti Sundays that wrote about it? Um, so that's kind of how we look at it from our angle. And then the restaurant kind of, kind of lets us know how it's going. But we always recommend just like keeping it going um, because that's the only way to like establish yourself especially if you're like going to be like Sunday nights are mine kind of thing yeah so how has working in food PR changed how you experience restaurants because like I'm a writer 
And now when I watch films and TV, sometimes I like get a little too analytical. And I wonder if it's the same for you when you go to a restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. I pay attention. I pay attention. Um, I pay a lot of attention to the service. I think it's crazy how this industry is called hospitality, yet a lot of restaurants you go to, like zero hospitable, zero. And I'm like, guys, uh, you're servicing this place. Come on. Um, so I, I think service is super important and it can, no matter how good the food is, if the service is bad, you're going to forever have like an image of that in your head. Um, and then just like paying attention to the little things like, um, you know, how the server acts, you know, if the server is like super cool, it makes your experience better. If they're like super cold, like rude, if they tell me I'm ordering too much or like that, that's a little much. I'm like, are you serious? That really bothers me. I can't believe somebody would say that. I know. Right. Like I, I've not just morally, but from a profit standpoint. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like to two girls be like, yeah. that's kind of a lot of food. And I'm assuming it was a dude. It was a girl. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's even worse. Yeah. I feel like, <laughs> oh my God. Um, but yeah, hundred percent paying attention. Um, and also just like, I read so much about restaurants. There's so much hype out there. But it's, it speaks to a larger point where you're saying of like in LA, it's interesting who gets by and how and who doesn't and why. Yeah. And well, it's, yeah. it's, it's a lot of like the name you're attached to. It's Rustic yeah. Canyon group. You know, yeah. they're so established. Is Kismet part of them? Um, no. no. Kismet is separate. Kismet is like kind of in the John and Vinny's yeah, realm. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, but yeah, so what do you think it takes to succeed in LA? It's so interesting what succeed. Like I personally, I feel like all you need is a nice patio and a good location and that's yeah. often enough. Yeah. I think, I mean, even it seems like, you know, like John and Vinny's is doing like the bare minimum basic. They're just doing it so good. Yeah. And that's how I feel about Bestia too. I think they're not doing anything super crazy, but what they're doing is perfect. Yeah. And... Every dish that comes to the table, I'm just like, wow, wow, I love this. Um, but I think it's really just like amazing service, amazing food. Um, I love that at Bestia, they like course out the meal so perfectly. And um, the service is super on point. They're always down to recommend things. Um, if I'm missing something, they tell me, which I always appreciate. Um, but yeah, it. It doesn't have to be anything like over the top or crazy. You know, everyone's talking about Vespertine, but like, I'm not interested in like, okay, I'm kind, of, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of interested. Cause well, it's gastronomy like, is its own thing. It's like, yeah, yeah that's like an experience yeah. to be had. Yeah. Do you ever get a chance to go? How often do you try to go to your restaurants that you guys represent to see if, you know, your ideas are working? Yeah, we try and like go, I would say probably like quarterly and do like a team dinner um, so it's not undercover. No, no, no. We got to get yeah. that comp yeah. meal. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just good to get in the restaurant and like experience the food. It helps with our pitching when I can like tell writers like, you know, the Branzino is my favorite or, you know, the truffle pizza um, and be able to make those recommendations. Um, and just, you know, they appreciate the support. They like us 
you know, we're part of their team. Um, and a lot of, you know, the teams that we work with really see us as an extension of who they work with day to day, which is really nice. And just getting in there and showing them that, you know, we care and support. They they always appreciate it. What kind of restaurants do you think could really benefit from PR and should explore it? And what restaurants do you think, are there any, if any, that you think, you know, shouldn't shouldn't be paying the extra money for PR? Yeah, I think for an opening, it's super important to have PR um, because I think, you know, how do you get the word out otherwise? Like, how are people going to know you're opening? Like, yes, maybe Eater will post, you know, this place is popping up on Hollywood Boulevard, whatever. Um, but pretty much everyone can benefit from yeah. PR if you have the budget for it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think opening especially, just yeah. like people have to know you're there. Yeah. And once you're open, you know, that, you know, the community will start coming out. People will notice that you're there. They'll see your storefront. Um, it's harder when people are open for longer and it's like, oh, this restaurant's been open for a couple of years. Cool. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, yeah. at least when it's new, there's like more there. Yeah. Um, and everybody loves new. Everyone loves something new and exciting to write about. Um, and to just show like how much this LA dining scene is like exploding right now. Is there anything that you're noticing in terms of food trends that have caught your eye? Food trends. I mean, fried chicken is having a moment right now. Um, just hot chicken, especially hot fried chicken. Um, tacos have always been hot, but like everyone's talking about tacos 1986. Um, also smashed cheeseburgers. So I recently had Goldsburger, which is having a residency in Silver Lake right now for like six months. They lease this space and they do amazing smashed cheeseburgers. Um, and it's like smashed with cheese and grilled and grilled onions. Um, and I, and there's also, um, Standings Butchery next to Coffee for Sasquatch. They are now doing, um, on weekends, a right? burger pop up. Yeah, called it was called Burger Daddy, but they rebranded to Burgers by Standings, I think. Okay. Um, but yeah, they pop up in front of the butchery, and then they also have been popping up at Tabula Rasa, oh, which wow. I went yeah. to. Yeah. Um, and also like um, there's a brewery in Glendale that they've been going to. Like pop ups are so cool. Has how do you think the changes in social media affect? would you do on the PR end? Like mm-hmm. I'm talking specifically not just about algorithms that change on social media, like on Facebook or Instagram, but also does TikTok come into play now? Like, <laughs> not yet. Not oh yet. my God. <laughs> um, but it's a lot of, it's hard cause we have to educate our clients on like how important social media is now and how engaging with influencers is just as important as engaging with reporters. Um, So it's, you know, education component first. And then also like an influencer, you know, might charge. So we have to kind of like get around that and offer them, you know, a fully comp meal, food and beverage for two um, experience at one of our restaurants in exchange for also Instagram stories like totally screwed us over because, you know, it always used to be, you know, they guaranteed an Instagram post. And now they're like, oh, yeah, I can guarantee Instagram stories. And we're like, okay, 
how about a post on your feed? Yeah. You know, and they're like, oh, I'm going to charge you this much. Um, so it's really an interesting world in that whole, you know, social media avenue. Um, we have like a designated digital um, manager. So she like handles all of that. Um, and she, you know, has relationships um, with influencers and invites them into our restaurants regularly. Um, and the influencers that, you know, are friendly with our agency, um, they do stories and posts, which we appreciate. That must be pretty funny if you're an old school chef having to learn right? from you guys about yeah. the importance of influencers. Yeah, today. but I, our clients are starting to realize like that it's super important, you know, if like cat eats la comes in posts or we have eater la um in and they post to their instagram that's you know huge there's so many eyes on those totally yeah totally i've learned so much about the food scene today. <laughs> it's so i know cool. i'm hungry now me too <laughs> me too so i always like to finish with just a few fun questions cool what was the last meal you ate oh wow um what was the last meal i ate like today? Today, yeah. Um, I had a sweet green salad. Okay. So like, are you do you do weak. custom or you or you have a go to? Oh, I like the chicken pesto parm. Okay. Yeah, I love it. So that was my last meal. Solid. What was yours? I just <laughs> we're recording at UCB Sunset, and I just went in the cafe and had a soba noodle salad. Nice. And that was from M Cafe, I think. No, it was nice. cool. Yeah, they that sounds they good. Brought M Cafe out here. Which <laughs> That was my last meal. What's your favorite city? My favorite city. Um, or just a one you enjoy. <laughs> That's fine. You don't need to have a definitive favorite. Oh, I love London. Okay. Yeah. I you studied, studied there. I studied yeah. abroad there, and it's just like a really special place for me. Um, and if I could live anywhere else, 100%, I would be there. What's an app on your phone you can't live without? Not including the text app or the phone app. Venmo. Solid. Venmo <laughs> is like, you know. And the last question for you is, what's your jam? As in song, hmm. we're creating a Spotify playlist with all our guest recommendations. So if you could pick one song, what's your jam? Um, I'm really into the Spanish song right now. It's called Solo Quiero. By who? John Montoya and Pedrina. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to wrap it up for us. Um, and we will sign off with social media. So if people want to follow you on social media, where can they go, Shannon? You can go to Shannon Tubi. That's how do, how it. do you spell that? How do you spell that? S-H-A-N-N-O-N-T-O-O-B-I. Perfect. And if you want to follow the pod, you can do that at H-D-Y-D pod. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Shannon. Thank you.